Hello and welcome to the podcast Where Did the Rabbit Go? A podcast where every week we look at a certain claim that has been made on social media, in the news, or something picked up in a casual conversation, and go down the rabbit hole. I'm your host Marco and this is show 33 for Thursday, September 10th, 2020. And after two interview episodes, today it is just me again. Me and some neighbor's dogs that you might be able to hear in the rabbit headquarters, as well as some neighbor's construction work. But there will be more interview episodes, I promise. I have already contacted several people whom I really want to introduce to you on this show. And those conversations will be recorded soon. The first two seem to resonate with you, dear rabbits. And I also enjoyed these conversations a lot. So if you haven't heard them yet, go and listen to episode 31 with Angelica and episode 32 with Paola. When I started this podcast, I made a promise to myself to keep two topics off the radar, religion and politics. But recent events in my home country in Germany just cannot be ignored. So in this episode, parts of it might become a little bit political. This is going to be yet another episode connecting to the coronavirus. Of course, I aim to be as objective and neutral as possible. After the main segment, we are going to play another game of Find the Fake with four items about my other home country, Mexico. I hope you're going to enjoy this episode and let's jump right into this rabbit hole. In the beginning of this segment, things are going to be a little personal. As I already let you know, dear rabbits, I was born and raised in Germany. Most of my childhood was in the 1980s, when Germany was still divided into two countries with very different political views that I could barely fathom at that time. But when I was 10 years old, the Berlin Wall fell, and a year later the two Germanys became one country again. It was a quite peaceful revolution. But I don't want to talk about the Berlin Wall itself but rather what led us there in the beginning. You see, both my grandfathers served as soldiers during the World War II in Nazi Germany. My paternal grandfather was 23 when the war broke out. He was stationed in Stalingrad. And my maternal grandfather was 19 years old when the war started. He was part of a troop that was searching mines in Norway. Two of his brothers were killed in the war, also soldiers. Both of my grandfathers really did not have a choice about participating in that war. Well, my father's father passed away when I was very young, just six years old. But my mother's father was around through all of my childhood and teenage years. So I consider myself fortunate that I could hear lots of stories about the war and the times before and after it firsthand from a person who lived it. He told me several stories about the time before the war. And one that I still remember vividly is about the inflation, the big depression that hit Germany really hard and was the entry ticket for Hitler into the government. My grandfather told me how his mother went to the factory where his father was working for the lunch break at midday. He would get paid in that break every day and she would pick up the money, run to the store and immediately spend it all on food or whatever was needed in the moment. 
Inflation was so strong at times that during that time where she went to the store, the money she just had picked up was already losing value. This is so hard to imagine if you haven't lived it yourself. He also shared stories about the war itself. He actually was proud to be a soldier and having served his country. There was pretty much no other way of thinking back in that time. And he also told me about the times after the war, about rebuilding the country, about him and his family moving away from the part of Germany that was taken away and now belongs to Poland, for them to start all over in Western Germany. One topic, however, was barely touched, which was the Holocaust, the concentration camps and the intended genocide against the Jews. Still, even as a child, I got at least the gist. What awful times these were. And what a dangerous way of thinking the Nazi ideology was, and still is. This was part of my upbringing. Both my parents were born in the years just after the war. And they taught me about these times, as well as schooled in Germany did. For big chunks of time, there would not be any other topic in history classes than the world war and the whole build-up towards it. So I grew up learning how radical and dangerous those right extreme worldviews are. Also knowing that back in the 80s and 90s, that whole movement was small, but still existent and noisy. There were still some people who were wanting those old times back. Something that I just could not comprehend and still cannot. Since early school years, I had learned to appreciate the differences between us forming friendships with children from other countries and religions, or as they would often be called, races. So, I had friends from Croatia, from Turkey, from Iran, a classmate from Italy. And back then, it beat me, and it still does. Why would anyone want to harm all those people just because they have a different skin color, or a different religion, or just a different passport? Anyway, I always took comfort in the fact that Germany was peacefully reuniting and that those new Nazi groups were marginalized and their political parties were far away from getting any seats in the local and federal governments. Well, that landscape has changed. And now there is a political party who over the last 10 years has found its way into all 16 state parliaments and into the federal one with right-wing views. Not governing but they do have some seats in the opposition. And in some states, their numbers of voters are already beginning to draw back again, which is a good thing. However, this year 2020 is bringing out all the crazy. And what I had to see in the news on several occasions, but most recently a week and a half ago, is absolutely mind-blowing to me. And I cannot just quietly accept it. This went down on August 29th in the German capital city, Berlin. People had gathered to demonstrate against the government strategies against the coronavirus. Or against the coronavirus itself. The strategies include asking to wear face masks, social distancing, home office, but also financial support packages to keep businesses open as much as possible. And Germany has been doing well after a rough start back in February and March. Compared to Mexico, for example, where I live now, where numbers are still high, and the government is showing almost no response at all and definitely not supporting local businesses, I think Germany has been doing 
pretty well. So those people in Germany went on the streets to demonstrate against those strategies. They were very angry at the fact that they have to wear face masks and that some businesses are still closed or only running at a low capacity. They were demonstrating pretty much against everything that's being done, demanding to open everything and to just live our lives as we had always done, just with the virus spreading among us. The police estimate that there were about 40,000 people marching through the streets on August 29th. And that's also the number that is reported in all the news outlets. But that's not the number that the people who organized the demonstration want to believe. They are speaking about millions of people in the street. And the same happened with a previous demonstration in July, where the official estimate was around 17,000 people. But the protesters were also speaking about millions. Well, looking at the images, 40,000 seems to sound about a correct estimate. Let's not forget, that's an average-sized soccer stadium filled with people that are not distancing. But saying this was millions is like me talking about the thousands of students that I have in my classroom. Just to put it into perspective. Well, anyway, this number, that's just one detail. But this is already showing the strategy of those people. They just make their own facts if they don't like the facts, they don't like the evidence, they just deny it and invent their own data. No wonder there are so many conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers among those crowds. But as I said, the number of people that were reported is just one detail. What is disturbing to me is the following. During this latest protest, we could see several Nazi Germany flags proudly being woven in the crowd. Those flags are a clear statement. Those people are Nazis, and they are there to march for their ideologies. But not all the people marching there were Nazis. Most of them, as I said, are people who might have lost their jobs or are against vaccines, which is bad enough. Many of those people are just misinformed, and they do not stand at all to those right extreme ideologies. But, capitalized, but... They are marching through the streets together with those Nazis. And this is where they should have drawn the line. Seeing the Nazi flags, that should have been the clue to look for rather a different venue. But instead, they joined the cause. And that is where the problem is. You do not simply work together on something with Nazis. Let us look at the political landscape in Germany as it is now. There are, as for now, six significant political parties across the spectrum. To keep it simple, the four biggest ones are located in the center or slightly to the political left or right. And then there is one party self-identifying as the left party. And the sixth one is the aforementioned party on the right of the spectrum, who has been gaining momentum over the past 10 years. And for the most part... The other five parties, as much as they differ in their views on many things, they can have a clean debate about the issues and look each other in the eye when the campaigns are over. But this right-wing party, they and their followers are always just against anything. There are simply no constructive ideas. Their whole worldview and party program is about being against everything. And we could clearly see this when the lockdown happened in Germany back in March. All the people in Germany understood the seriousness 
and everybody played along. The common enemy was this microscopically small virus, and the evidence was simply clear. What could we hear or read in the news about that party and their followers back in March and April? Right. Nothing. Nada. Nichts. But as soon as the economy got activated again, and people could go out again with certain limitations, they started to show up and make noise again. And of course they were against everything. Again, there's nothing constructive coming from their camp, just noise and things like these demonstrations. But they are becoming louder, and in some cases also more violent. Proof of that is the attempt to storm the Reichstag in Berlin during the latest protest. So, here I am, seeing regular people that clearly are not right-wing extremists marching through the streets together with Nazis. With people who defend these horrendous worldviews or like the superior race having to enslave or eliminate all the other races. And it just beats me how somebody in their sane mind can seriously want that. And how somebody can just line up with those people. Especially in a country like Germany, which has been down that road. And over the past decades slowly left this behind itself. But maybe there is exactly the problem. Remember, I had my grandparents when I grew up who could tell me all these stories firsthand. And just like me, my friends and classmates had all somebody in their families who had lived and survived the times of the war and the times before. But right now? The end of the war was 75 years ago, which means there are barely any survivors left. And most of them were just children when the war happened. So the war, the Holocaust, and everything related is not really part of the collective memory any longer. And although we still have classes at school about it, it has become this distant thing that happened when all people who were involved are now dead. Maybe this contributes to people not grasping the seriousness of lining up together with groupings that defend right-wing extreme ideas. Let's not forget to put ourselves in the shoes of the other people. Let's show empathy. I can tell you all this from a privileged position of someone who can work from home and continue almost as normal, with some adaptations, of course. But there are many people who have lost all or a significant part of their income. We need to understand that. And they have the right to worry about how to feed their families and keeping everybody safe. There's no question about that. But the virus is what it is. And marching on the street, refusing to wear a mask and to keep your distance, is not keeping yourself and your loved ones safe. It's going to achieve, if any, the opposite. And joining the right extreme corner, supporting their political agenda just with your presence at these events, is definitely not helping. So, as soon as you see a Nazi flag, you should turn around and leave. After all, there are so many other things that you can do. What about writing a letter to your representative to inform them about your point of view or your struggles, your demands? Let them know that you're struggling, that you have lost your job, your income. But don't march with Nazis. Well, demonstrating against some business closures is one thing, but against face masks? 
That was one of the major issues during these protests. People are demonstrating for their quote-unquote right to leave their house without wearing a mask. And this, by the way, is not just happening in Germany, but in many places, including the US. And this is what I do not get. A face mask is a piece of cloth that you wear in front of your nose and mouth. And it still lets you breathe freely. Studies have shown that there is no negative impact on the intake of oxygen or the exhalation of carbon dioxide. So it's just a piece of cloth. And no, governments are not trying to undermine and enslave us with those masks. For me, the face mask is a necessary protection. For you and for the people around you. By wearing a face mask, if you're sick, you cannot spread the virus. It's as simple as that. And you cannot know for sure that you do not carry the virus asymptomatically. So these masks are necessary. It's kind of like other social conventions. When you go out to the supermarket, you are going to be wearing, I don't know, something like pants, maybe jeans or shorts or a skirt or a dress. But you're going to wear something on top of your underwear. And nobody is questioning that. I don't see any people saying, my body, my choice, demanding their right to go grocery shopping only in underwear. No, everybody accepts the convention that you wear some kind of pants or dress. There is no discussion. Then why is it so difficult to accept that you, for your own and everyone else's safety, currently we have to wear that piece of cloth in front of our mouth and nose? I don't get it. I don't think it's because of being uncomfortable, because ties are uncomfortable, and high heels are, or tight pants and skirts, and people wear these all the time voluntarily. Or is just this the problem, because the face mask is not voluntary, because it is mandatory right now? Then. Why can't we just go for the greater good? Why always be against something? Let us think positive. If you stay at home or you wear a mask in public, if you wash your hands, you might have avoided a number of infections. But those protests are something that's very disturbing and I cannot just take it quietly. This is a great example where misinformation can lead and why it is so important to be literate, to teach people about science and about history. I don't like where this is going. The root of the problem is misinformation and gullibility. And this is why skepticism and skeptic activism are important. Most people joining these demonstrations are both desperate and misinformed. And I think this is an area of opportunity. Politicians very often express themselves in very difficult terms. And the same goes for everything that is related to laws. And the same also applies to many scientists. People like Bill Nye, Neil deGrasse Tyson or Dr. Stephen Novella, who are great science communicators, unfortunately still are the exception to the rule. But they are so much needed. Our citizens need to understand politics, science and history. Education is the best way out of these problems. I mean, Really? Demonstrating against a virus? This shows a profound lack of knowledge about how viruses spread and reproduce. And the same people that say that the masks will not protect us against a virus because it supposedly is so small that it can get through the mask? 
are the same people that claim that these masks block the oxygen particles, which are even smaller than the virus. You see how urgent education is? But there is a positive note that I want to close with. There were 40,000 people on the street. That's just about half a percent of the population in Germany. This also means that the vast majority of the German population was not on the street and that these people that we saw marching are just a small minority group that does not represent the whole country. It will be exciting to see how the next occasion will be handled. This demonstration resulted in a few arrests. How will the police and the government react the next time? How will the protesters act the next time? And why does there even have to be a next time? And um, newsflash? This just came out on the news as I started recording. There is an announcement for the next big demonstration against Corona. It has been announced for September 20th in the city of Düsseldorf, expecting around 50,000 participants according to the group who has announced it, called Querdenken 7-11. Like, thinking weird, 7-11. And this has been reported by the police. So we shall see if the true number really will reach 50,000 and if it will be reported as millions again. Alright, I apologize for my neighbor's dogs. Something is driving them crazy. That's why I have a rabbit. It's more quiet. But let's leave this topic behind now and turn to our trivia game, Find the Fake. These are the four items that I presented on Instagram with the common topic of Mexico. Item number one. There is a law that allows drivers to shave or put makeup on behind the steering wheel of their car. Item number two. In Mexico, you should not throw your toilet paper into the toilet. Item number three, against popular belief, Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, is not Mexico's Independence Day. It's in September. And item number four, the Mexican capital is sinking at a rate of about 15 to 20 centimeters per year. And I will take these items in reverse order. Is the Mexican capital sinking by 15 to 20 centimeters per year? Yes, it is true. As you probably have heard, the city has been built in the location of a dried lake, Lago de Texcoco. Additionally, there are many ducts beneath the city, extracting the water. And this all contributes to the sinking, as well as creating another problem, that the city is running out of drinking water. But just imagine, sinking about one meter every five years, that would be eight meters that the city has sunk over my lifetime. Let's go on with the holiday. Cinco de Mayo is not the Mexican national holiday. This is also true. The national holiday is September 16th. The big event, however, occurs at 11 p.m. on September 15th, where the governors reenact the Grito, where they ring a bell and shout the names of the heroes of the independence, followed by the three times Viva Mexico. It's a great event that deserves much more episode time, I think. But why do people think it's Cinco de Mayo? Well, this probably comes from the United States where their national holiday is just known by the date, 4th of July, July 4th. And they probably misinterpreted, like, thinking this would also be the case with Mexico, that it's called Cinco de Mayo because it's something big. 
It is a holiday, but it's not the most important one of the year. Let's go on to the next one. Should you not throw toilet paper into the toilet in Mexico? This is also true, at least a big part of it. Supposedly, the pipes cannot take so much. They get stuck easily. So I guess if it's only a little bit of paper, it could work. But it's very common to see that there is a waste paper basket next to the toilet where you throw the used paper. Yep. I also was not so pleasantly surprised the first time I saw this. This all means that item number one is the fake. It's actually the opposite. In the city of Torreon, this practice of putting makeup on behind the steering wheel, this is strictly forbidden. You see, it's quite common here in Mexico to see women putting their makeup on in traffic or at red traffic lights. And occasionally you can also see men using a machine to shave their beard all while behind the wheel, even if the car is stopped. But of course, this is a source of distraction, and apparently it provoked a significant number of accidents. To the point that the city of Torreon specifically prohibited these practices. I'm giving a shout out to Angelica, who I interviewed on episode 31, and to Claudia Gutierrez, who was quite thrilled to finally have answered correctly. Those were the two people who submitted the correct answer on Instagram. They were the only ones. Actually, participation was not very high this week again. But for now, I will keep up this segment for you to play along. I think it's a fun way to close the episodes. And speaking about closing the episode, dear rabbit, this is all for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. What will next week bring? An interview? Maybe. As I said... There are a few people I will talk to, but we have to organize ourselves to find a moment. We will see, but there will be a show for next week. That's as much as I can tell you at this point. You can find my podcast on Instagram at Where Did The Rabbit Go? And over there, you can also participate in the trivia on next Tuesday. It would really make my day. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are very easy and painless ways to do so. You can rate and review the show, which would make it easier for other people to find the podcast as well. And please subscribe to the show so you get it into your podcast feed automatically every time there's a new episode. And communicate with me using the hashtag where did the rabbit go on Instagram or Twitter. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I'm Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?